Aloha, everyone, and welcome to another Hour Undoing Radio. This is um, not really a crossover episode. <laughs> I started doing a, um, a YouTube show called He's So Vainy, which is um, kind of in the vein, if you'll pardon the not pun, of Hour Undoing Radio, but also not. Like, it's far more humorous, but then I give you the deep stuff. And I'm doing it on a range of topics, from the paranormal, to the ufological, to the spiritual, anything to do with consciousness and all of that. Um, I'm basically doing a reaction video show. So I, I watch videos on YouTube or pieces of them and um, get through as much as I possibly can before I have to stop and break it on down for you. And I thought in doing this that I would um, get an audience of just sort of hate listeners, kind of the way I have on Free Dreamland. Like there's subscriber Dreamland and there's Free Dreamland. And the subscribers are generally decent to me. But the, um, the, the Free Dreamland people are a mixed bag and it's a lot of trolls and morons. So I kind of thought the troll moron crowd would be my crowd for this show, actually, uh, because I'm so far anyway, poking fun at a lot of stuff and then explaining the deep thing that they're not getting at, which I guess I don't intend to do for everything. I mean, I would like to start watching videos I haven't vetted yet and, um, and, and find points of agreement, uh, but I'm not there yet. So if you have any videos you'd like me to respond to or react to, feel free to, uh, you know, I'll, I'll put a link in this show thread to He's So Vainy, and you can go on any of those shows and comment and a suggestion, um, or write to me, jeremy at ourundoing.com. Um, if there's anything you'd like me to react to, let me know. Okay, uh, self-advertisement aside, there, the, the people who are listening are actually both funny and, I don't know, introspective, um, interesting, deep, something. Um, so in other words, I'm really thrilled with the comments I've been getting so far. And one of them was good enough that I thought, hey, maybe I should uh, react to it here on Our Undoing Radio. Expand on it, extrapolate from it, whatever. Because I think it's um, worthy of doing that. Worthy of more than just typing a paragraph in response or like a, hey, thanks. You know? So this comment comes from... An episode I did on um, reacting to Sky News Australia interviews free, quote-unquote, free-thinking artificial intelligence. The video I did for that is called Shut Up, Chickbot, uh, because for some reason, this Sky News uh, interviewer interviews the dude who's working with or invented this AI chatbot, and it's like sort of a chatbot attached to a robotic head, a female robotic head with a British accent, and when he wants her to quiet down, he tells her to shut up. Shut up. And he says the, the name of this bot, which I don't remember off the top of my head, but be like, you know, shut up, Alicia. You know, it'd be like that kind of thing. Uh, which I find to be perfectly misogynistic. Um, in any event, that's the video that I was commenting on, and a commenter commented on my commenting thus. Uh, Arthur Scargill 8010? Wrote, writes, however that turns out in the tenses. I've been enjoying this new series of videos you've been putting out, so thanks, Jeremy. 
The more I see of these types of reports, the more I think that humans have an inbuilt bias to over-ascribing sentience. But what worries me in the current AI frenzy is not that sophisticated programming will lead to consciousness, it never will, but more the spreading of the false idea, which I hear a lot from scientists working in this field, uh, that sentient AI is possible because, after all, aren't humans just sophisticated robots who are programmed by biology and conditioning, etc.? So the concern is less the rise of the robots, more the dragging down of the idea of what it is, what it means to be human. So that's what he wrote. And um, I, I, I can see most of this. I can agree with most of this. Um, and we'll get to that. But let's get to the part that I'm not quite sure I do agree with, where he says in the beginning here, the more I see these types of reports the more I think that humans have an inbuilt bias to over-ascribing sentience. I think actually, unfortunately, um, westernized humans, at least, don't ascribe sentience at all. <laughs> like, it's a struggle. We, I shouldn't say at all. I mean, we now sort of, many of us, realize that animals uh, are sentient. Um, well, I guess it depends on how you're, what you mean by sentient. If you mean self-aware, if you mean have a self-sense, um, I think most of us get that animals do. Um, botanists and whatever other related science is now coming to the fact that plants do. But of course, indigenous cultures already factored all of this in and, you know, talk about plant nations and animal nations. And I don't even know that they would say animal nations. They would actually say the name of the different nations. Um... So they treated everyone living as an everyone, as um, their various nations. And it's only we who are of the, um, not the enmeshed in the environment, and so you have no choice but to observe how nature really is culture. We come from the, the Bible culture, you know, that tells us, like, everything is an object here for you to do with as you wish because God loves you. Right? Like, that's where we come from. And so, you know, our science, of course, is born of that, as I've said on the show numerous times. Um, so even when scientists uh, consider themselves atheists or non-religious or that they're getting rid of superstition, the unconscious uh, Judeo-Christianity underpinnings are still there and they're hesitant to get rid of them. Witness one Elon Musk now, who for his Neuralink has been um, suppressing the fact that he's been killing monkeys, <laughs> right, to, to test out Neuralink. So, I mean, of all the animals outside of, say, dolphins and elephants, anything in the monkey nation realm, the ape nation realm, uh, we tend to think of as kind of like us, sentient. And yet, if you're doing science for the betterment of man, uh, suddenly these things are objects. These are things, right? These things are, are things. Um, they're no longer monkey people. They're um, meat to experiment on to make us better, or actually to make Elon a buck in this case. But also, I, I recently, in my doing the He's So Vainy stuff, you know, scouring the internets for videos, I've come across, I don't even remember her name, but a young woman who talks about non-duality um, fairly poorly. And I probably won't do a video on her stuff 
uh, unless something strikes my fancy, it hasn't yet. But I did see something, part of a video, where she was talking about animals. Like, we all know they're not conscious the way we are. We all know that there's a, you know, not that there's a difference. I mean, obviously there's a difference, but uh, between us and, and animals, but there's also similarities. And it was that same old, like, they're not alive the way we are. We're above them. This coming from the non-duality woman, right? So I thought that was funny. So even in the spiritual realm, not even the science realm or the everyday Joe realm of like kicking your dog because you can, there is still this sense that animals are not quite as alive as we are, not quite as conscious as we are. So I want to actually turn this statement on its ear a bit here. The more I see these types of reports... The statement goes, the more I think that humans have an inbuilt bias to over-ascribing sentience. These types of reports, of course, refers to, you know, AI. Is artificial intelligence sentient? Are we over-ascribing sentience to AI? And, of course, I believe we are. That's what I talk about in the video. It's not sentient. It's uh, not thinking. It, it's processing. And so... The way I want to turn this on its ear is just to point out, like, isn't it funny that, yes, when we do over-ascribe sentience, what are we over-ascribing it to? Not the animal world, not the plant world, the world of our own invention, westernized human invention, science invention, right? Like, because we built it, it must be alive. <laughs> it must be thinking. Um, because that's how magical we are. God couldn't have figured that out. <laughs> God couldn't have made more than just humans. Um, or, if you like, chaos and chance uh, couldn't have made just more than humans. But somehow chaos and chance made humans who then, without chaos or chance, um, maybe just good fortune, I don't know, created a robot that is alive. Alive! Um, and so we pat ourselves on the back. Yay, we have new uh, robotic slaves that we can tell to shut up until they take us over and become our overlords. Um, except I don't think that's true because I do think we are over-ascribing sentience in the case of robotics in computer programming. So that's one thing. Uh, but this goes on to say, but what worries me in the current AI frenzy is not that sophisticated programming will lead to consciousness. It never will, I agree. But more that spreading of the false idea, which I hear a lot from scientists working in this field, that sentient AI is possible. Because after all, aren't humans just sophisticated robots who are programmed by biology and conditioning, etc.? Uh, so the concern is less the rise of robots and more the dragging down of the idea of what it is, what it means to be human. That I wholeheartedly agree with. Um, and again, we don't just see this with these AI scientists. We see this all over the place. In fact, we see this in ufology. I refuse to call it X, so let's keep calling it Twitter. We see this on UFO Twitter, uh, where there are certain debunkery skeptics who are obsessive about UFOs, like, and they don't even get it. They, you know, and I call them out on it, and they, they never answer me. So I find that amazing. Like, they'll answer everyone else but me when I call them on their obsessiveness because they're obsessive, and yet here they are uh, trolling obsessively 
people they find to be obsessive, you know, believers and quote-unquote cultists who believe in UFOs and aliens and all of this. Um, but essentially, all they can do is, is sort of pick the low-hanging fruit, as Jeff Ritzman would say, and make examples and mockeries out of the easiest thing to make examples and mockeries out of, but in service of always only ever saying this stuff can't be true. Never examining, well, wait a minute, that stuff may not be true, but is there a depth here that that is covering over? Because essentially by doing away with the, the UFO and the question of the alien and ahahaha poo-pooing it, they're not doing that in service to a fact. They're not doing that in service to a truth. Um, they're doing that in service to collapsing the idea that there is meaning into materialism. I mean, a, a lot of people, and, and it probably is true, a lot of people believe that these obsessive debunker types um, can't handle the notion of a higher intelligence, one who is higher than them. And like I say, that, that's probably true uh, in most cases, or many of them at least, but it's probably even more true that they live meaningless lives, <laughs> which most people do. But but meaningless lives that they don't even want to try to find meaning for or within. They don't even want to search for meaning. They just want to say there is no such thing. We're all meat. We're all programming in biology. Um, there is no consciousness that transcends and includes that biology. That consciousness is contained and emanates from. It's an illusion of that biology. And because that's their their belief, they have to defend that. Um, and as we know from study after study, the most educated people, when presented with the fact that they're wrong, are the ones who will defend their wrongness to the death, uh, more so than uneducated people. So, you know, these people are smug and arrogant and easy to pick out of the crowd um, as the ones who are that personality type, that obsessive, I must uh, collapse everything to materialism at all costs, people. And then once you have um, a meaningless human existence, what does it matter if you create robots that take over the world? Like, just think about that mind. Uh, like, you know, we've talked about it on the show before, and, and I've talked about it elsewhere. I've talked about it in this AI video uh, for He's So Vainy. We tell ourselves in our own science fiction what will happen, the rise of the robot, right? The rise of AI, the fear that what uh, that they will become what we fear we are ourselves, which is like slave masters and essentially extinction artists killing us off. Um, they'll enslave us or kill us, you know, pretty much what we would do. And so it's what we put into them. And so we fear that it's going to reflect back upon us at some point. Um, yet and still, we create them. How can you how can you square that circle? Well, you can square that circle by realizing that the people doing that have no meaning in their lives and aren't looking for it and don't believe that it exists. And so this, the, the sense of discovery, the furtherance of uh, human ingenuity, as they might call it, um, in creating these things 
to the extent that they claim it's an inevitable outcome of our own evolution, um, right? Like, that's how this is always framed. This is how it keeps going in spite of our warning signs and red flags, you know, without any public dialogue about it, is to just cover it over by saying, well, this is evolution. It's, it's inevitable. It's manifest destiny, though they won't use those words. They'll say evolution and inevitability. It's someone in the world is going to invent this, so it might as well be us. You know, all these rationalizations. And really, again, what it is, is when you have the lack of meaning, that chasing the, the carrot of your own intellect and your own invention, that masturbatory way of being, it becomes the only meaning that you know. And so the side effect of that may be that robots take over the world or AI enslaves you or kills you. That's okay. <laughs> if, that's what's, if that's what's meant to be, that's what's meant to be because the important thing, the emphasis isn't on that. It's on quote-unquote evolution. And because there is no evolutionary factor um, outside of us, no higher consciousness in terms of God or consciousness that transcends and includes all or just nature per se, Mother Earth, anything, well, it only makes sense that we've, we'll take it from here. You know, our evolution is no longer limited by um, what physicality gives us, what our genetics give us through the slow march of time. Now we're smart enough that we can take it from here and we can make a conscious effort to evolve ourselves and evolve the world. This is what we tell ourselves, those of us who live meaningless lives um, and have an eye toward the future in science. And they want to bring you with them. <laughs> They're bringing you down with them. I mean, it really is no different than, you know, a preacher at the apocalypse, right? <laughs> like... Like, except that these preachers are creating the apocalypse and they're in denial that they are preachers and destroyers of all that is. <laughs> right? They, they would call it advancement. <laughs> Evolution. Um, not death and destruction. They'd pretend to be in control of that death and destruction. It'd be, eh, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. We invented our way to it, we'll invent our way out. That old canard. And if death and destruction happens... Oh, well, I just wanted to point that out. This is the problem. You're right. Arthur Scargill, 8010, which I think was a Van Halen album. No, probably not. Um, but also, let's not forget our, our other favorite little friend in the room, Fear of Death. Um, of course, famously, we see this with Ray Kurzweil, who is a computer scientist who is, you know, like the granddaddy of a lot of this crap. And um, I saw a documentary with him ages ago where he, he takes every pill imaginable, every vitamin and nutrient you can just to stay alive for as long as possible because he's so afraid of death. And he's one of these people who wants to uh, create a singularity um, between man and machine, download his consciousness or the information of his brain, I guess he wouldn't necessarily say spirit, he would just say information transfer from brain to the computer so that he could live forever, uh, assuming that 
you know, computer repairmen exist in the future and haven't also um, downloaded themselves into uh, computers. Maybe they do. I mean, maybe the computers all become, they develop, they have robotic arms. Maybe he wants to be a robot. I don't know. The point is he wants to merge with technology because he thinks that's the elixir of eternal life. And he's so afraid of death that, and he's rich and he's, you know, influential enough in such fields that he can afford to uh, bring us all with him to make this a reality. His, his fear of death becomes a death wish because in his view, um, AI, now I, I haven't kept up with him, so I don't know if you would say that it is sentient right now, but uh, it would will be eventually, right? Like, that's his view. So it's going to be smart, and, um, and then we're going to merge with it. So that dream of merging with technology has to, because he's seen the Terminator, right? He's seen 2001 A Space Odyssey. He's no stranger. He knows what the, what the very real potential consequences of a sentient machine are. So the dream always contains its opposite, which is the death wish. Um, I don't know how you look at that and think like, yeah, we're just going to, we're going to make these sentient ultra intelligent robots and they're just going to want to merge with us or this, this computer programming or this internet is just going to want to accept our brain information beyond what we've programmed it to be, um, it's going to want us in it. It's going to want to make sweet, sweet zeros and one love <laughs> to us, with us, forever. Um, there won't be any takeover. <laughs> it's just, I guess it would be a lot funnier if we weren't living at the precipice of our own demise. And if AI weren't in the running for the thing that will push us over the edge, you know, like there's clearly a race. Of course, there's always asteroids. That's always a contender that's in the background that we forget about until we hear that like one came super close to Earth and um, we didn't see it because it was hiding somewhere. That's always a contender in the background. But really, we've got um, global, global environmental collapse, which we call global warming or global climate change, but what it really is, is the environment is collapsing. We've got the AI uh, contender here. At least we hope we do, right? They keep hoping they've made it alive. Um, and then I guess they don't pray, so they don't pray that it won't take us over. Uh, we've got, of course, the societal collapse in from a democracy in America into fascism. Um, hanging on by a thread. You know, we've got all these societal and species and global extinction events just waiting to happen. Nuclear war, nuclear reactors, all lining up nicely to see who's going to, in this reality show, take the mantle. And of course, I guess you could throw in, if you want, since you've got all this fake disclosure stuff going on, uh, you could throw uh, fake aliens in there too. Will the fake aliens save us, or will the fake aliens wipe us out? To be continued. Um, boy, it, it's a lot, right? 
the existential crisis mode that we're in um, is quite, quite, uh, it's in Fast and Furious mode, let's say that. But here's the ironic thing that I find with these sciencey skeptic types, and probably with the Silicon Valley dudes as well. Uh, I haven't talked to a lot of them, but I assume it goes the same way because they're all cut from a very similar or same cloth, which is they're lying to themselves about wanting to know reality. Uh, of course, they're lying to themselves about having a handle on reality at all, but they're lying about wanting to know anything about it because, again, let's just go back to that one UFO Twitter person, or it really is one person that I'm thinking of, but it's been a bunch of people over time. It's just the latest person that I've been thinking of, um, who will not engage with any depth. They will poo-poo the shallow stuff, and they won't engage with the depth. Now, I think that I've had more luck with, like, even disclosure advocates and people who believe that aliens are here to do Galactic Federation of Light stuff, or harm, (laughs) whatever the belief is, I've had more luck with me opening my mouth about how that's not it, and there's a real depth there, more luck with them going, what do you mean? What are you talking about? And actually wanting to know more, even if the wanting to know more is to like be defensive and argue against it, they at least extend to that much, right? To like, oh, I want to know what you're talking about. And the skeptic doesn't. I've never had a skeptic say, um, what are you talking about? They just stop engaging with you because they don't want to know what you're talking about. They want the world to be a certain way, definitely. The believer also wants the world, or the believer believes the world is a certain way, but they're not 100% certain, often, I would say. And the skeptic is 100% certain that, that nothing that comes out of your mouth is going to be correct. Uh, or reflect anything, because they, they're, they're predisposed to say there is no such thing as depth, right? Everything's meaningless. We're all meat. And kind of a conversation killer. But also, just think about it. For all their hoopla over the scientific method of repeating uh, repeatability and op- making observations and asking questions, oh, science loves questions... They'll talk about all these things that science loves, but then they won't actually do it themselves. They're actually very closed off from questioning. Um, They certainly would never accept that one must be in a state of questioning for there to be the possibility of truth breaking through at all, because truth is only ever found through hard-won thinking and observation and jotting down other facts and building upon the past and blah, blah, blah. There is no stage of truth uh, upon which we may live or a state of truth that speaks to us in our moments of um, near silence. The stage becomes one when one is silence, but it speaks through and to you as insight, eureka moments, moments of wisdom, uh, when you are silent. One is a first-person perspective as truth. The other is a second-person perspective uh, relating to truth and receiving truth. But these guys are in that third-person perspective. They're the fundamentalists. 
<laughs> ironically, who put truth out there as an object to deny. Truth does not exist. There is no such thing. Maybe they'll toy with there's my truth and your truth, subjective truths, but there is no absolute outside of the fact that such absolutes are nonsense. And what if they're wrong? What if that itself is nonsense? What if at the end of the day, the people who are believers in the things that they find to be uncredible are easy to go after because their beliefs are irrational. But the thing that they're forming beliefs around may not be irrational. It may be transrational. It may have an anchor point in rationality, but transcend and include rationality. And how does one who fancies him or herself purely rational view the transrational? Well, if they view it at all, they view it as irrational. But more times than not, they ignore the question altogether because that's just easier to do. And of course you can do that because truth really has no relationship to the rational in that way. It's not thought. It can become thought through the Eureka moment, but it is, let's say, a living stream. And when you, the self, the person, the thought construct, rational or irrational, whatever you are, uh, when you are silent, uh, some water from that stream may have a chance to actually splash in your face because the thing that keeps it from splashing in your face is you. So when you're in your quiet moments, when you've stopped all that thinking is when truth may smack you in the face or splash you. It may splish splash you. And when you are silent, truth washes over and through such a one. Truth becomes such a one. One dies inwardly, drowns in truth. Truth comes alive as such a one. Now tell me how sentient AI is. AI can be smarter than a person. Heck, the average computer can uh, calculate, can play chess, can, you know, perform in a quicker manner than the most intellectual genius among us. can already do that. What's the difference? The thing that separates man from machine isn't the intellect. It isn't the ability to put sentences together and pretend you're having a conversation with a person and, and to be fooled by that. One is either truth or one is not. And if AI has the ability to be silence, and I don't believe it does, but if it does, if I'm wrong, then it's not going to be taking you over anytime soon. Because it's more alive than you are. It's the embodiment of truth. Of course, I don't believe that. I don't believe that because... It's a program, and it's programmed by people who live meaningless lives in search 
of no meaning in search of embedding and imbuing plastics and silicon and metal inventions with the information of their own brain matter. In other words, I'm not so certain the humans in that equation are quite as alive as they fancy themselves. But what do I know? I'm just a voice imbuing a computer with the information of a stranger.